0: So, it would be time for our Kids' Corner, but I don't see very many victims here other than Ben. And Ben, I'll get to you in a minute here with this. I think I want to try this a little differently, because I had kind of a skit in mind to do. But let me start the first part of this just as a message to us all. You know, have you ever had an idea that seemed like such a great idea at the time, and then in hindsight was, oh, so terrible, right? You with me on this? And my message for the kids, my story for them went like this, and maybe it's a good thing they aren't here. They've been protected from learning bad things from their pastor or something like that. I'm not sure, but when I was in, in second grade, I, I really hated school that year. I had a teacher that just didn't see eye to eye with me, and I discovered something, and it went like this. If I stayed away from school and filled out an excuse blank and signed my mom's name to it, not that I'm saying that you should ever do this, but it seemed to work. So I encouraged a friend of mine to join me, and that seemed to work even better for a while. (laughs) The problem was we got this phone call one night, as I recall, and it, I could hear my mom, I couldn't hear it first, who was on the other end, and I heard, they did what? He did what? Vaughn said? And then I knew, this is going to be bad. Well, apparently, what I forgot to remind my friend, see, he got us busted because when he filled out his excuse blank, he wrote on there, please excuse David for cancer and then signed his mom's name, Um, you know, and I mean, I sort of get back together with him. Don't you realize you don't get better from that overnight? Well, apparently, the worried school called home to see how David was doing, and that, you know, kind of tipped our hand there. And I said, why did you put that on there? He said, well, I couldn't spell diarrhea. And that's probably the only time you'll ever hear that from the pulpit. But anyway, (laughs) um, it seemed like such a good thing at the time. It seemed like a good idea. It seemed like it couldn't fail. But, you know, there is this thing called wisdom. And wisdom is sort of the control switch on our... It's one of the Bible's control switches along with spirit on our will. And, you know... We kind of tend to think in, in our culture as wisdom is an old man with the white beard, because we know that wisdom, or at least we imagine that wisdom comes with age. And we've all heard the saying, of course, that you know those bad experiences, you know, lead to better decisions. In other words, wisdom, you know, which lead to better decisions along the way, at least in theory. But this isn't exactly what the Bible has to say about this. According to the Bible, wisdom develops in relationship with God. The wise person hears the Holy Spirit in his heart, while the fool is closed off to God and doesn't hear God. He only hears his own voice echoing back to him, which is often imitated by the devil. You know, and by the way, God has. Something good embedded in everything for us. In every decision, there's something good. But the devil tries to get us to miss that and miss God. So now, here's what I was going to do with the kids. And I don't know, maybe we can get some participation in this. I'm going to need a few uh, volunteers. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, So let me try this. I want to play kind of a game of whisper down the lane but it's not going to be so much whisper because we all got to be able to hear what's going on. So can I get maybe two or three other adults here with me here? Yeah, come on up if you're willing to volunteer for this. And Ben, come on up here. So, and I need one more, I think, here. Okay. So, um, all right, so this is going to be the, Ben is going to be my soul here, okay? And Ben happens to have a little bit of money, just a little bit, though, because we don't trust you with 50s yet, you know, right? <laughs> okay, and then I need somebody that's going to just be kind of the, hey, I need some money person. Do I have a volunteer to do? Okay, you be that person. Well, let's turn around then in this case. And then next in line, I need Ben's mind. how Ben thinks about it. Could you be Ben's mind? And then you're going to be Ben's will, okay? So you're the one that's got to make the final call on whether he's given money here, right? And that's going to go right back through the mind. So this is how it's going to work. So he's going to ask, he's going to say, hey man, I need $20. Can you help me with $20? And you're going to turn and just look at your mind and your mind is going to think, $20, $20. And your mind and soul, or I'm sorry, mind and spirit, and I'm going to be back here being spirit, okay, are going to try and influence this decision together, and then Will is going to call it, okay? And you're going to do what what Will says. Kind of got this, right? (laughs) All right. So let's try this. And by the way, the first time I'm going to be I'm going to be a not-so-nice spirit the first time here. I'm going to be kind of natural man's spirit, okay? So go ahead. Let's try this. $20. You know, you, there's a lot of things you could do with that 20 bucks. Why doesn't she have... There, there are 70 other people in this room she could ask you and need to ask you, you know. I don't know what she's thinking. She should probably just get a job. She's not going to use it for anything good. I mean, we need the money. I agree. So tell him what to do. I, I think he needs to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now, why don't we try this again with Holy Spirit in here and see if it works out a little bit differently. You know, God says that we should give those that are in need. And you know, we're, we've are we been so blessed. There, there's other things we can do here. Anyway, we're going to get paid again this week. I mean, it's only going to take a couple days. We have to put off that Nintendo game, maybe one more day. So why don't we just, why don't we give her the 20? Actually, why don't we really bless her and give her... He's at 33, I think. Okay, give her 30. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, give, give it her... Okay, can I have a hand here for my performers? <laughs> second? And thank you for being willing to do this. So, oh, that'll get you free on Marvin Gardens, I think, there, but... <laughs> So the point of this is sort of how we end up kind of talking to ourselves in our own mind. We've all had this experience when we're approached by the hey give me 20 bucks people we sort of think it out. And really in the background of what we're thinking if we're biblical about this the spirit, our attitude is bouncing back off of us here. You know, And that's really what has the has its finger on the switch of the will there. You know, it's the will that's going to determine what actually happens in this situation. But if the Spirit is all wrapped up in itself, it really isn't going to care. But on the other side, if we've got God's Spirit in us, God's Spirit loves us deeply. It loves everyone deeply. And it will care. So now, thinking back a few weeks ago, I mentioned that the mind is kind of the gateway to the heart. And that's kind of why I had mind in that lineup there. You know, the mind works sort of like this. We see, hear, read, experience things. The mind sort of thinks on them and it begins to form its own world view. And that's what gets kind of embedded in the heart, that world view. And that worldview is a world either where there is a God or there isn't. And likewise, if we're closed off to God, you know, our own experiences are all that go into that worldview. It's a vastly different outcome. In the heart is spirit. That's kind of like the attitude of the heart, it's developed through our thoughts and our, our, our thoughts about the world, and our interactions in it, and how we think the world works. And it's kind of like the word we use today, attitude. You know, if somebody's got a good attitude, you know, I mean, let me ask, who do you want to hit up for the money, Sue? The guy with the good attitude or the guy with the bad attitude, right? You know, so it's kind of along that line except that in this case, attitude has a finger on the control switch in the will. So, how does wisdom then fit into this? Well, wisdom is kind of like a second control switch on the will. This is kind of what the Bible lays out here, or at least what we believe it says. Um, So, Let me try and outline how I think this works. Proverbs 1 is about gaining wisdom. It says, Gaining wisdom is helpful for prudent behavior, for doing what's right, for acting with fairness and justice. So, wisdom then is sort of like this knowledge inside the heart, also with its finger on the will. And also recall that the control center you know, the heart and the will and all of this is kind of like our control center. It's where our intentions lie. So, the heart being the center of intentionality, the center of the will, you know, but wisdom is, is according to the Proverbs, supreme here. It interacts with mind, it changes the thought patterns in your mind, it controls emotion, and... Gosh, I don't understand my own notes here. I might have to be a little bit wiser than that. But uh, in any event, um, wisdom is, is what we need to make good decisions. And Proverbs 4 goes on to say, by the way, that people are destroyed for their lack of wisdom. You know, without wisdom... We can't apply the deep knowledge of God. You know, Proverbs 1 also lays something else out, and I want to hit this a second. It says that the root or the beginning of all knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Now, I want to be clear here on what I'm talking about. In this case, fear is not holy terror of the the Lord. Rather, fear is reverence or a position, you know, if in olden days I approached King Jeff, and I know that Jeff has power over my life, I've got to have some degree of trepidation, some degree of reverence in approaching him with my issue, right? I'm not just going to walk in there and, you know, sit in Jeff's organ and say, hey, you know what I'd really like. I'm going to approach this a lot differently. So this reverence of God stems from God's all-powerful ability as creator. And we should bear that in mind. You know, that fear of the Lord is basically realizing that God is God, and I am not. This fear of the Lord puts me back into my place. I am not God. I am a very poor God, you know, to the extent that I play one in my own mind. In other words, you know, and let me actually back up in this a second and say it this way. Both the wise person and the fool have knowledge. But if I'm going to be biblical about this one, I'd have to say only the wise person has knowledge of and from God. Knowledge is kind of like a measure of, I'm sorry, wisdom is kind of like a measure of belief. And that is controlling knowledge. Knowledge that actually impacts decisions that we make. So the problem along the way by with this though is that we often acknowledge that oh there is a god but that's where we stop we don't develop a deeper wisdom in god you know because we haven't really trusted god with our own hearts or our own needs we haven't stepped out in that in that knowledge in that wisdom I'm sorry in other words That wisdom, its role is to bring things into abeyance in our lives with God. So a second point I want to make, and I want to bounce back to Proverbs 4 here for a second, where, where the word says, do not let God's word out of sight. Study God's word, keep God's words in your heart, for they are life. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And literally, the word guard here Hebrew has kind of an interesting thing that it can do that we don't in the English language. And it's to use a word twice and make it magnified. So it's really kind of, what it really sort of says is, guard, guard your heart. In other words, guard like you've never guarded anything, guard your heart. Okay, so that seems like it might be kind of an important thing to point out here and to consider but how do, how do we do this? What is this? Why is God's word such an important part of this? So again, if the Bible's perspective is, you know, wisdom only comes from God, the Old Testament perspective on this is that wisdom only comes from knowing God, and the only way to know and experience God is to read God's word, to pray, to walk with God. In the New Testament, Wisdom is dispensed by the Holy Spirit. So a third point I want to make on this wisdom thing before I I get a little bit further along here is from Proverbs 3, 5. We gain wisdom by trusting God. Lean not on our understanding, but in him. That his ways are above our ways, that we don't understand all things. But, you know, we've got to know him in the heart. And again, this is a, one of these areas where many have come to know God in the head. Yeah, there must be a God, things have been created, but they haven't prayed, they haven't walked with the Lord, and they haven't made God's, the knowledge of God, wisdom in their own heart. In other words, rationalizing that there might be a God is a lot different than situationally trusting in God. All wisdom or folly, therefore, resides in the heart. Again, the heart is our kind of control center, the seat of intentionality, the will. But it's also, according to Proverbs, the seat of the soul's greatest treasure. Is your greatest treasure God, and the love of God's people, and serving and praising God, Or is your greatest treasure yourself, your own pleasure, your own comfort, your self-control being served, and maybe even being praised? You see, what is a treasure of the heart? It's seeing God kind of eye to eye in another person when you meet their needs. There's a story circulating on the internet right now, and I'm going to try and land this plane rather quickly here, but it goes something like this. There was a little boy who told his father, I'm going to go visit God. And he knew it was going to be a long trip, so he packed a suitcase. And in his suitcase, he put a box of tasty cakes and a six-pack of root beer for the trip. And he walked about three blocks down the street into the park, and in the park, there was an elderly woman feeding birds. So the boy sat down next to the old lady and asked her, are you hungry? She said yes that she was. So he said, would you like a tasty cake? And she agreed that she would. So he shared a tasty cake with her and shared a root beer with her and they sat for a while and at the end of the day, the boy packed up his remaining food and went home and so did the elderly woman. When the boy reached his house, his father said, well, did you meet God? And he said, yes, I did. She was in the park feeding birds. When the older woman got home, her husband asked her what she did today, and she said, well, I think I met God, but he's a lot younger than I imagined. So it is kind of a heartwarming story, but it is the case that when we step out and give Sue that money, you know, we can see in her eyes and connect in a way that we can't connect without that. And by the way, I said God works for all things good for works good in all of these things. That is the good in there. That is the treasure in our heart. It's our own treasure and our own self-worth using kind of modern language Because giving to Sue changes my conception of me. Giving to anyone changes my conception of me. Um, The issue comes here. You see, we're to grant God total access to our heart. And we don't want to do that because we still have those things back in there that we want. We have our own goals in our own life. We have our own pleasure that we want to seek yet. Maybe lust. Maybe it's an addiction, and we're not sure we can even beat it, so why bother to turn that one over to God? But we're to grant God all access, and I, of course, am by no means 100% there yet. But I am much farther along than I imagined I would be in my youth, and without God's access, you see, wisdom can't enter. Here, wisdom is described as kind of knowing your own heart. Or folly in the opposite way, not knowing. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is, in this case, a wise man knows his heart. He knows where his temptations lie, so he avoids those things. The fool also does not know his heart, does not have that wisdom, does not take heed of those things, and does not guard his heart. So back to this Proverbs 4 for just a second. I want to hit this wellspring as an issue here too. We're told in Proverbs 4 that The heart is a wellspring. That is a source of water that issues out of the ground. But every other part of our soul is then watered by this water. That's kind of what the Bible is getting at when it describes the heart as a wellspring. And we need God in there, or the Holy Spirit, to make sure that the water is pure and good. Whatever is in our heart, is going to come out and manifest itself eventually. Whatever is in our inmost life finds its way out through the heart, into the mind, into the body, into the actions that we do in the world, into our soul. Whatever we allow to enter our heart will also exit out into these outward actions. So whatever our hearts desire manifests in reality. Whether Our desire is faith and love and trust or it's certainty and faithful patience or the zeal for God and his law and truth or whether it's myself, my self-centeredness, my hatred, my greed, my lack of forgiveness, my anxiety and my bitterness. Whatever of those I let in there is going to seep out through the rest of my being. So either wisdom or folly, they work their ways out through and through. But the goal of wisdom then is to control our thoughts and knowledge so that they're pleasant to the soul. It's to provide discretion, to keep us from foolish error. It's to provide understanding. And understanding is rather specific also in Hebrew. It's the comprehension of the truth of God that guards us against the actions of a foolish will. A will that aligns with God, leads us to love what he loves. It leads us to act in righteous ways. And by the way, God's ways always have good intentions embedded in them. Thank you.